you're listening to one of the Wellness Couch podcasts, obviously you're interested in health and nutrition and probably want to know more. My good friend Sunil Mera from Up For A Chat and the Functional Nutritional Academy presents to you the Intro to Nutrition course. This 10-week introductory program is the perfect kickstarter to help you gain knowledge and get empowered and develop a healthy relationship with food. To find out more, to get access to one of the world's leader in nutrition, go to thewellnesscouch.com forward slash nutrition. That's thewellnesscouch.com forward slash nutrition. thewellnesscouch.com streaming wellness into your lives welcome to the wellness guys show with wellness experts dr lawrence tam dr damian christoph and dr brett hill welcome to the wellness guys i'm lawrence tam i'm damian christoph and i'm brett hill <laughs> and this is the wellness guys show a weekly show dedicating bring wellness into our lives. I think after 300 episodes, I think we're getting slower and older. I don't know what it is. <laughs> you just took a little pause. There. I thought, oh, that sounded good. I might do a little pause too. <laughs> yeah. And then I followed suit. He like had a massive pause. I was like, oh, Brett's on mute again. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> oh, it's, it's just the slowness of a of you know a, a non Mac computer. That's what happens. Uh, you know, today was really interesting because uh, as we were pulling this up, and and we obviously had this interview scheduled. And uh, the funny thing was when I was looking at the name, I'm like, you know, this name sounds really, really familiar. And then when I got on the phone with uh, Brett and he's like, how do we get this person on the phone? And then when I found out, read the bio, I just realized that this person is someone I actually know. Um, his kids, his twins actually are in the same class as my my daughter, Kaya, at, at, at the same school. And uh, I'd actually been wanting to get him on this podcast for about a year now, because when we met him last year, when he came to the school, he told me about this retreat that he has and i just thought it was a fascinating story we just haven't you know got around to it and well well you know i'm glad you're here now so paul uh van bergen is a um you know he is studying meditation and he's a mindfulness expert he's a yoga teacher he's founder of australia's leading yoga retreat called billabong retreat here in sydney and uh, we're going to talk a lot about his journey from corporate life into creating a retreat welcome to the show paul thank you welcome Paul, um, it's great to have you on the show, like I said. And uh, one of the key things is I love to start diving into your past in the in, in first because I think this is where it gets really, really interesting. I mean, you you were in the corporate world for 15 years. Um, can you tell us your journey and what made you transition from that life and even, even into the life of looking into health and wellness? Was there something that happened to your life or was it an awakening something, you know, something happened, at, you know, at, you know, going on holidays? What happened? Why did you decide to want to leave the corporate life? Sure. Well, it wasn't as much that I decided I wanted to leave the corporate life that I kind of got um, I got thrown out, you could say. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I had a um, you know an objective um, which was completely money dominated for many many years, and all of my businesses that I started were all about making as much money as as possible. And I launched a new retail business, and I put all of the money that I'd earned in. 10, 15 years in London into this new business and um, and and promptly lost it all after nine months. Um, so it didn't go according to plan. And I found myself um, living on an island in Thailand, kind of licking my wounds, if you like, um, thinking that it was the kind of worst thing that had ever happened to me. And I happened to live just down the beach from a, a yoga and health retreat. And so... Um, I started wandering down there during my days because I didn't have much to do. And, and, and really through hanging out near this yoga uh, wellness retreat in Thailand for six months, through 
osmosis, I really started to understand what health was and wellness was all about. And, and that really was the, the catalyst for taking a bit of a different direction in my life. I'm not sure we're still there. We're all still connected there. Uh, yeah, we're all connected. I was just waiting for you to jump in, Damo. Exactly. Just... <laughs> See, I told you. Yeah, no, no. There was, no <laughs> there was just like a little, yeah, it was like R2-D2 kind of got into there. But uh, he didn't. So, Paul, um, this all sounds great because, you know, I think many people listening to this would, would have had some kind of desire to go and create a wellness retreat or to create a, a wellness environment where they could not only live the wellness lifestyle but actually share that with other people. Um, you met the love of your life in doing all of this and you've created such an amazing um, environment for people. Do you find that it's a, you know, it's everything that you want it to be? Like is it, is it, are you now living the dream? Well, a lot of people say that, of course. So we lived on site for, for eight years and, um, you know, I'd, I'd go over and walk over to the other side of the property and I'd be teaching a yoga or meditation class and, and people would say that to us. they say, oh, you must be living the dream. Your your household must be so zen and quiet and tranquil. But um, unfortunately, when I was right? home, my twin boys were just as mad as any other twin boys and, and my baby girl and our house was just as, you know, busy and hectic as any other households with, you know, with young kids. So, no, look, it, it, it doesn't suddenly make your life perfect. You know, it's, it, it's still a business. And I think that's been a big part of my journey is that learning that just because you're running a yoga mindfulness retreat does not necessarily, you know, make it live in the dream. But it, actually, it's all about, you know, how you respond to your life, how you deal with challenges and, and, and actually, that's just as a, applicable when you've got a normal corporate job as if you're running a mindfulness retreat. But I suppose the benefit of doing it when you're running a mindfulness retreat is you're constantly reminding yourself of the practice that you need to do. Yeah, it's a great point, Paul, because I think so many people think, oh, I'm going to be mindful when, you know, or I'm going to be less stressed when, you know, when I get my new job, when I retire from my job, when I get my house in the country or my retreat in the country, then I'll be more mindful and then I'll be less stressed. So, how do you, but often it doesn't happen, you know, that there's no matter what's going on in your life, there's always going to be stress. It's just different challenges. Um, so, how do you go from thinking, well, I'm going to be relaxed when to actually incorporating it into your daily life? Sure. Well, I think, you know, this. I try and identify a difference between stress and pressure. So, you know, I feel, look, okay, there's always going to be pressure. There's always going to be challenges. There's always going to be things that happen that I might not necessarily have, have wanted. But it's how you respond and deal with those things that decides whether they turn into kind of stress events and the triggering of your sympathetic response system or whether you handle them with with ease and and, and grace. So um, to do that, I think there's really two things that people need to do. And, and the first is a formal practice. So this is where you set an amount of time, ideally every morning, to do some kind of formal practice where you're practicing inhabiting your body and mind with a particular quality. And, and this could be a yoga practice, it could be a, a breathing meditation, it could be a sound meditation, you know, whatever it is, it's a deliberate formal time where you're practice, practicing cultivating this quality of mind. And, and then the second part is what we call the informal practice, and this is kind of all the other times. And, and this is really about identifying triggers in your life 
and setting intentions about how you want to respond in an ideal situation to those triggers and and being compassionate with yourself when you don't always manage to respond in the ideal way. So, you know, you take something really simple. Maybe it's your kids drive you mad every time you go home and the kids have trashed the house, you start screaming at them. So you might set the intention, okay, for the next month, I want to try and practice talking to my kids calmly and in a relaxed way when I find that the house is trashed. You know, and you go home the next day and you completely forget about it and you scream at the kids. Now, what a lot of people do in that situation is they kind of give up. They say, oh, God, useless me. There was I saying I was going to, you know, not shout at the kids. And the first day I go home and I shout at the kids. This is too hard. I can't do it. I'll give up. And then, of course, they don't change any patterns of behavior. Whereas what you need to do is say, oops, a daisy, I shouted at the kids. No problem. I'll be compassionate with myself because I'm a human being. I'll set that intention again and try again tomorrow. And it doesn't matter how many times you set the intention, but you've just got to keep setting that intention. And eventually, change will happen. But there is obviously a little bit of inertia, and it can take quite a lot and long time to start getting that change to happen. And if, you, if you're too self-critical and you give up too easily, then, of course, it will never happen. You know, Paul, basically what you're, what you're talking about there is like awareness and intention. So I, I love that, you know, concept. What do you think was different back uh, when you were living in that corporate world, like when you were chasing the money? Because the reason I'm bringing this back is because I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that are feeling and, and, and doing the same thing. And they're not even aware, right, that they're where they're doing it. And they're, they're not even aware that they're caught in this rat race. So what do you think, um, how, you know, I guess, what was the challenge that, you know, did you, were you aware that you were doing this when you were back in the corporate life or is it more now in hindsight? No, it's completely in hindsight. Um, you know, at the time I didn't have very much, um, self-awareness really about the patterns of thoughts going through my mind or the patterns of sensations or the kind of feelings I was experiencing. All I knew that was I was craving something else, something more. You know, it had to be, you know, a a bigger house or a better car or more money or more successful business and more clients. And it was a constant dissatisfaction with the present moment and a craving for something different in in the future, like this, this kind of future projection of happiness. You know, it was like, well, I'm not quite happy with my life now, but you know, as you said earlier, in five years' time, when I get that $10,000 pay rise or, you know, when I get that new house or when I get that new wife or husband, <laughs> then I'll be happy. And and you don't often realize you're locked in that loop of future projecting a state of happiness. Whereas, you know, what a lot of the teachers say is that actually it's about being in the present moment and being content with each and every moment of your life, whatever the circumstances are, um, because it's that craving for things that are different, which causes suffering and unhappiness. These are such great points, and uh, it's really refreshing. I think this message I've heard five or six times this week, so it's really uh, it's it's amazing to me that I'm hearing this message so many times this week, and I'm sure that there's other people out there driving, going, "Yeah, yeah, Paul, this is this is right. That's that's right." When somebody gets to that point and they realize that uh, maybe they've been chasing this happiness thing that might arrive at some other point when the grass is greener and on another day, 
when they realize that they've been doing that, what, what do you think are necessary steps? I mean, you've got retreats at your at your retreat center, the Bilbong Retreat Center. But is it that they need to go and do a retreat or could they just, you know, start to enroll in some level of extra mindfulness or is it that they need to check in and have some conversations? What's a really good next step for someone who's in that sort of place? Sure. Well, I think the realisation for those people is that actually they can cultivate their own reality and that is possible to create their own reality through some kind of practice. Now, what each and every person has to do, it will be different for each individual, for each um, person. So certainly the traditional wisdoms always said you need some kind of teacher or guide um, who will you know, sit down with you, work out what's going on with your life, work out what your life situation is and design some kind of what we call personal practice that meets your needs and your requirements. So, you know, first and foremost, I'd recommend people finding some kind of teacher or guide, or, you know, whether it's a meditation teacher, a mindfulness teacher, you know, a yoga teacher, but someone who can take your own personal situation into into account. Um, you know, look, obviously I'm biased towards retreats, um, but the reason retreats are really beneficial is because they take you out of your normal environment and it's been shown quite clearly that for neuroplasticity to occur you know in terms of how the brain changes itself novelty and being in a novel environment is a key indicator of of, of a good place when neuroplasticity can 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 help so it's easier to learn new patterns of of thinking when you're in a a retreat environment because it's very different to your normal environment it's interesting you talk about novelty paul because often when we think about changing habits and creating mindfulness and all those sort of things we we think about repeating it and and doing you know being really consistent with it and trying to do it every day to build those neurological connections but but you're saying kind of the opposite is important too of of getting out of that comfort zone and doing something different so how do you find the balance between those two Sure. Well, I think, you know, to, to get you going on, on a new path, the novelty um, is very important to kind of if you're stuck in a rut and you can't seem to change your habitual patterns, then as a kind of, you know, a stop. OK, and let's move forward. The novelty is important. It's like kind of being, you know, kicked onto a new path, if you like. And, you know, for me, that was it. I, I found myself living on a beach in Thailand. It was a very novel environment. You know, I wasn't living my London life anymore. And, and actually, when you speak to quite a lot of teachers, you'll, you'll often find that people tend to be kind of kicked or pushed onto a new path. And then when, once you've kind of got onto that path, then it's about that kind of repetition and consistency and, and just practice, just daily practice of, you know, setting intentions or practicing gratitude or practicing observing the patterns of your mind or practicing observing the, the feelings that you, you can notice, all of those kind of things. And that's when it really is about, you know, practice, 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 practice. Um, Paul, one of the things that you mentioned about intentions, um, intentions are, um, you know, you mentioned the, the power of intention and you talk about like, the, you know, why is it so important? Is there a time frame like that you should, you know, create that um, inertia, like you mentioned, on how to break through inertia? 
because oftentimes people get lost because yeah, I'm gonna have the intention, but they don't either don't do it long enough, or it's too short, um, or they don't um, you know commit themselves. What is your recommendation for that? Sure. So I think with in- intentions, I-, I suggest to to our clients that they should stick with one thing initially and set an intention to practice for one month. Remind themselves of that intention every day. And and this is where um, uh, journaling or writing the intention down or repeating it during a meditation in the morning can be can be very powerful. And then also reviewing how you did against that intention at the end of each day. So, for example, when I started on my mindfulness practice about 10, 15 years ago, I noticed that I was quite an aggressive driver and I was very intolerant of other drivers and I also always used to hoon through amber lights. And so I set the intention that I wanted to be um, compassionate and kind towards other drivers. And I always wanted to stop at amber lights and use it to do um, a little bit of breathing practice. And then, of course, you know, the next day you go off and you completely forget and you hoon through the traffic lights or you break your intention. And it's important to review that and say, OK, I didn't meet my intention today. No problem at all. I'll try tomorrow. And it doesn't matter how many times you don't meet your intention. The only thing that matters is bringing yourself back to that intention again. It's exactly the same process as when you're meditating, that you stay focused on your meditation technique of choice. Your mind wanders invariably, as it always does, and then you bring yourself back into focus. The mind wanders you bring yourself back into focus. And it's the same with the intentions. You've got to keep bringing yourself back to that intention, reminding yourself of it, but most importantly, not being hard on yourself when you fail to meet that intention. You know, and that's the, that's the critical thing. You've got to have that level of self-compassion. You've almost got to have a bit of a, a giggle at yourself. You know, oh, there's my monkey mind again. You know, I set that intention to behave in that particular way. And look, there I, I end up behaving in a different way. So it's, it's about really having that lightness about it as well, but, but keep repeating it. The re- repetition of that intention is really important. And, but yeah, I, I, I say give something a go for a month. Pick one thing in your life that you want to change your behavior around, set an intention, and give it a go for a month. Oh, it's great advice. It's really good, Paul. And um, I think I've used uh, different apps to assist me with mindfulness. Obviously, I did the Mindful in May a couple of years ago, which was great. I did Trevor Hendy's um, um, program, and then I downloaded Headspace. And so I've done lots of different things to try and um, maintain mindfulness and, and practice meditation. I do find, though, that if I go away to a retreat, uh, that when I come back, I'm much clearer and I'm able to you know, engage and, and maintain those sorts of practices. With the sorts of programs that you run at your retreat, you've got a whole, I mean, there's a whole host of great things. So you've got yoga essentials, mindfulness essentials, meditation essentials, uh, wellness essentials, deeper yoga, uh, mindful intelligence. I'm reading from your website, stress management, like a dip. Like there's all of these things in there. There's so many different things in there. And obviously these are great experiential things for people to kind of engage in for a short period of time. During that time, obviously you'll help them with different strategies to take home with them. But is it your intention that they can then, you know, look after themselves after that? Or is it maybe do they come back and check in with you and say three or six months' time or 12 months' time? What's your recommendation around that? Yeah, okay. Well, I mean, 
We want people to be self-sufficient, of course. I mean, obviously, from a commercial business point of view, there'd be a, a temptation to, you know, to say, well, actually, you know, we only want to give people the skills to last six months and then we want them to. <laughs> no, 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 not. I mean, obviously, but, there's a care component, you know, like from a caring perspective, there's always a business component, but also from a care perspective, like a recommendation of care, we kind of like, you know, from a chiropractic perspective, we go, well, look, we can get you out of pain for this period, you know, in this period of time. Yeah. But, you know, to look after the healthier spine then we recommend that you do this now that serves two purposes one is that you keep a business going but two you're actually taking care of somebody for this you know for the same reason um to take care of someone to really help them get their mindfulness set and right is it that they would subscribe to an app or could they come back and repeat a mindfulness essentials you know every eight weeks or would there be every 26 sure. weeks or something well, you know? I think that, would, that would be too much i mean certainly maybe once a year they could repeat a particular program and and certainly i've had people yeah, come back to my mindfulness essentials programs you know two or three times and you know the the key thing that we reiterate to guests all the time is it's all about practice because the more you practice the more results you start to notice and the more results you start to notice, the more you are motivated to practice. So that kind of, you know, practice creates results, which creates motivation. Um, so that's, that's, you know, really when I actually first set up the retreat, I thought, you know, what is the essence of what I want to leave people when they leave this retreat? So they get more than just the benefits of the retreat. And that is this whole concept of, of doing a personal practice of, practicing inhabiting your body and mind with particular qualities and, and of course what you're doing then is you're, you're training your frontal cerebral cortex to be able to notice and make maps of the other parts of the brain and um in, you know that's really what you're doing you're growing that frontal cerebral cortex each time you practice observing your thoughts observing your sensations and observing your feelings and that's what makes the difference that's what brings that level of awareness to people. Paul, you've spoken a number of times about setting a good intention, um, but what makes a good intention? Like, do, are there rules around that? Does it have to be in the positive? Does it have to be worded in a certain way? Uh, do you have to use it in a certain way or with a certain frequency? Like, what makes a good intention to be able to move forwards? Yeah, well, an intention is a little bit different to an objective. So and it, the best intentions are really about how you want to feel about things so you might set an intention about how you want to feel towards your partner or you might set an intention about how you want to feel about yourself when you're at work or you might set an intention for you know how you want to feel about your financial situation so it's not really as much about okay I want to set an intention that I'm going to make a million dollars in 12 months time It'd be far more better to set an intention that says, I want to feel um, content with my financial situation, or I want to feel secure in my partnership, or I want to feel um, challenged within my work environment. So it's really about changing or set an intention about how you want to interact with the elements of your life. That's what makes an intention powerful. Because that's what's achievable and that's what, you know, you can guarantee you can achieve. You know, who knows if you're going to make a million bucks? Who knows, you know, what happens to other people? It's hard enough to control yourself, let alone other people. But you can control how you respond to your life. And so that's really 
what good intentions are about is setting an intention about how you want to respond and feel towards different aspects of your life. You know, one of the things that uh, we we run a, a retreat called the the Wellness Breakthrough um, every year, and so you know, the, one of the things we talk about with the participants is is you know they give us three days of their lives, and a lot of times most people don't even spend that time away from their life, their work, and their family, and it's really difficult for them to even unwind. Do you find that with people when they come to a retreat that that they it's 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 it almost takes them a a, a, a day or so just to kind of unwind from the busyness, the monkey mind of their thoughts and, and the pace that they've been living in, and they don't realize that they're actually in that pace. What's what's a recommendation? What what do you what would you recommend for them to do on a regular basis to help them have that awareness and also help them unwind? Well, that's 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 so true. You know that you say, and we see that all the time, and and particularly for for guests who tend to come up for the weekends, and you know they're they're in this heighter heightened and elevated state of of activity. And, and, and thinking and and we find you know it takes at least 24 hours for people to start just relaxing into the place which is why we don't encourage one night retreats we really encourage two nights as the absolute minimum because at least then you start to get that time to really under you know unwind and what's really important is people realize when they're in a state of stress you know and that's the danger is people become numb to stress, it becomes the normal. And of course, when we talk about stress, we mean the triggering of the sympathetic response system and all of the biochemical whole of body reactions that that entails. And, and so what we encourage people to do is become sensitive to stress. And so they know when they're experiencing that response. And the only way to do that is to experience the opposite of stress, the, the parasympathetic response. And you can get that by going on a retreat or, you know, going to spend a day in nature, you know. Um, unfortunately, you know, going down the pub for a day and drinking doesn't help you experience that response because what it does, it numbs your sensitivity. And, and really what we're trying to encourage people to do is become more sensitive to stress. So you notice earlier and earlier when you're in that state. You know, it's interesting you talk about, I guess, uh, you know, getting in that state of relaxation so you can understand how you deal with stress. But I guess sometimes at the breakthrough, we sort of do the opposite as well and put people in really challenging situations, whether that's, you know, high ropes courses or, you know, various different activities we do to, to help them see how they deal with stress as well and to help work on it from that perspective. You know, do you take that approach as well or are you more just the, the gentle relaxation side of things? Well, no, I, I mean, I, I agree with you as well. I suppose I think, you know, it's possible to be in a, a pressurized situation and handle it without stress. So, you know, some of the physical yoga postures are designed to be challenging and, and to put you under pressure. And, and what we teach people is to how to be in those very challenging physical postures, but stay calm. And, and of course, you know, a big part of that is through the breathing. So I think in, in, in a way we do the same kind of thing. We do get people to do challenging things, but we teach them how to do them whilst staying in the parasympathetic response without triggering the sympathetic response. And a lot of that comes down to the focus of the mind and um, cultivating a smooth, steady breathing rhythm. 
even you know if you're in some crazy posture or even if you're on some high ropes course you know one of the things that uh you know you've created is this beautiful retreat um and i'm sure you had a lot of thought put into it i mean it's just there's you know it's just it looks amazing and so what are some of the elements that makes your retreat um that creates an environment and how can some of us create that environment i guess in our own homes Sure. Well, I think a big part of the retreat is connection to to nature. Mm-hmm. You know, that's we we come from nature. You know, we're we're part of the nature kingdom. So, you know, connecting with nature can happen anywhere. It can happen in our own gardens, or it can happen around us in Sydney. We're, we're blessed to be surrounded by some of the most incredible national parks. Um, you know, which a lot of people don't go into. They don't spend time in pure wilderness. So, I think certainly that can really help and particularly when we live in these busy cities um set themselves up a little space in their house a little special space um if they're going to practice some kind of regular yoga or meditation and 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 make that the space that they go and practice stillness and it could be as simple as just putting a little rug on the floor or putting a special chair in the corner with a little table and a candle but just something which which helps create ritual and habit, but the habit of being when I go in this space, I'm going to practice being calm and relaxed. Um, so that's that can be really beneficial as well, creating that that regular space. I mean, of course, um, food um, and nutrition is is one of our main pillars of health and wellness that we teach. And of course, anyone can do this in their own home. Um, you know, just eating organic whole foods. Um, really is our underlying um, uh, food philosophy and um, but unfortunately that rules out about 95% of the stuff you can buy in supermarkets <laughs> so um, it's, it sound, sounds simple but it's not always always simple so you know good nutrition is, is really valuable as well and anyone anyone can do that in their own home as well just you know just eat real food basically yeah, that's great. Paul, thank you so much for your time and your insights on, you know, just the awareness and, and the intentions and the mindfulness. All of those things are just such a powerful statement. And, and we're sort of leading up to this uh, challenge. Uh, you know, you would have heard our one of our podcasts, a recent episode on mindful mindful mindfulness in May. And I would love for all of us to, you know, the listeners to kind of join us in that. And, and you got to check out Paul's retreat. It's just a beautiful and sensational. And it's just like, it's just the environment for you to be able to take that time to go away and and really just reconnect with yourself and to really evaluate you know what you do and why you do it uh, in life. I think that's a, just a powerful thing. So thank you so much, uh, Paul, for uh, being on the podcast and uh, thanks for creating such an, a beautiful place. Thank you, guys. It's been a real pleasure talking to you today. So you can check it out at billabongretreat.com.au. That's billabongretreat.com.au. We'll put this in the show notes. Uh, go check it out on the Wellness Guys uh, show uh, under thewellnesscouch.com. And uh, please go up to like us on Facebook. Can continue this conversation. We'd love to see if you any of you have actually been there uh, or planning to go there. Please comment there on the Wellness Guys on or the Wellness Couch Facebook page. Share this podcast with your friends and families and other strangers you think need a wellness update. And subscribe to us on iTunes. And while you're there, please give us a rating and leave a comment there too. So until next week, begin creating wellness into our lives. Lead by example. Let's change the world's health together. Join us next week on the Wellness Guys Show. 
This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.